Hey, Jumpstarters, I'm your host, Kirsten. And I'm your co-host, Darius. Here at The First Cup, we're an advice-driven podcast to jumpstart your day or wind down your afternoon. Our conversations are centered around empowering millennials to proactively navigate through their careers, relationships, and lifestyle. It's been said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. So grab your cup, Jumpstarters. And take your first sip of a new life. Good morning, Jumpstarters, or afternoon, wherever you are. (laughs) How's it going, everybody out there? Darius, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? I am doing great, Darius. I feel like my 2020 is off to a really good start with small wins and big wins already happening. You catching momentum over there? You know, I think I am. Uh, well, 10 days before the new year, my now fiance asked me to spend forever with him. I sure did. And that's a huge step. But personally and professionally, I received a promotion at work. And in addition to the promotion, I will be starting a new role in our global diversity and inclusion office. And if you kind of know a little bit about me or you will get to learn about me, inclusion and um, diversity is very important to me. In my spare time, I am an advocate in my community for disability awareness. And then also just making sure that everyone has a seat at the table is something that has always really fueled me and something that I have been able to um, thrive in. And so being able to kind of mesh my formal education with what my passions are is something that I'm looking forward to so much and seeing how this will all play out into uh, my life story and of my profession. You know, what's the most exciting part about everything you just said? What? I get to see it all up close and personal. And our jump starters too. You know, we're going to be very open and transparent about what's going on in our lives and how we can uplift and lift as we climb with others. So what about you, Darius? Enough about me. How is your 2020 starting out? My 2020 is not as great as yours. Um, I know, like you just mentioned, you are officially my fiance. So that's uh, starting at a a high milestone. Um, But I'm in a crossroad. I'm torn between uh, furthering my education with receiving an MBA or gaining more experience um, that's going to make me that much more valuable in corporate America. And I think that's a really common dilemma that a lot of millennials have because society tells us that the bachelor's degree is now the equivalent of a high school diploma. And so you have that constant struggle of feeling like you have to achieve higher and higher and add additional letters behind your name. And so as someone who has recruited professionally for the past five years, that's something that I've always been interested in kind of hearing what the reality is and seeing, you know, how that plays out in the recruiting scene. And that's what today's podcast and episode is all about is education versus experience. And we'll be taking a recruiter with over 30 years of recruiting experience, telling you what really matters and how you can set yourself up for success for that dream job. Let's get into it. My name is Maurice Taylor. I have been in human resources for over 30 years. Um, Actually, when I graduated from college, my first job My first real job was an opportunity to work in HR. And majority of that time has been focused on recruiting. And currently I am a director at Lilly, responsible for recruiting diverse talent to the company. So First Cup is all about empowering millennials with whatever they need when in respect to their relationships and to their career. And so a big hot topic right now is the whole piece of education versus experience. So how important is it um, with furthering your education for your career? So I think it's important, but I do think that you need to know 
what kind of career you're pursuing. I think there's uh, a misconception that I need to go to graduate school. Well, graduate school is great, but if it's not connected with a path toward a career, then it could be a waste of time and also um, education, which you'd have to pay back via loan. So I would say that if you know what you want to do, if you have a line toward a career, then education is really important toward that career. If you don't know, maybe it is good to get a few years of work experience, understand your skills, understand what the marketplace offers in terms of jobs, and then align that education with that career path or job that you ultimately want to find. So Maurice, I know you've done a lot of recruiting over 30 years of experience. Let's say you have someone with all these fancy degrees and someone with lots of meaningful experience. What would be like the ultimatum or the deciding factor for you? Yeah, for me, it's going to depend on the nature of the job. And I'll just give you a a few examples. If the job is a sales or marketing job, in theory, experience is going to weigh over education. Okay, so it's nice to have maybe an MBA if you're in marketing or even in sales so you can understand kind of the strategic nature of the job. But honestly, I think an employer is going to be looking for proven results and proven results from past experiences will actually show that you can have success in the future. I think education is important, again, if it's, a, if it's the entry point into a job. So if you need a particular degree to do a job, then that's when education is going to be really important. But I do think that, that you're going to have to have a plan uniquely set for you and your career path and where you're going. And some of that will include education. And in many cases, education is going to be important. But some of that may not be education, but you have to understand where you're going. So this is all about like understanding what you want to do and where you want to go. If you don't understand that, maybe you work a couple of jobs to understand what the uh, marketplace offers, as I said earlier. So while working in corporate America, what type of roles do you think certain individuals should look for when trying to find themselves within the organization? Yeah, um, oftentimes when you're right out of college, the only thing you know is what you did prior to college. So if you did uh, part-time jobs, or if you had an internship, or you had relative experience, then that's all you know. So kind of to find that next job, or, or once you get in the company, how you find a job, you probably want to first initially leverage what you think your best skills are. So if you can leverage what your best skills are, and match that up with a particular job or area, you're going to likely be successful, which will allow you more time to learn the company or to learn the field that you're in in order to determine how you should go about your next job or choosing the next place that you want to work. Yeah, I think that's a big misconception with millennials today is that they feel like I have to have a master's degree or have to have an MBA in order to be a senior leader in an organization. Is that true? So different organizations value different um, different types of education. I know I was in financial services for several years and they really valued experience. They would pay for your MBA or pay for a degree. Um, tuition reimbursement, that's how I got my degree paid for. But it was it was just to enhance your, um, your knowledge of your current job. It wasn't necessarily um, going to get you a promotion, going to get you a promotion. However, I worked at other companies where they value degrees and getting an MBA or getting a higher level degree was important to that organization. Now, then I'll distinguish that when that happens, then the quality of the education is going to be important. And so, so unfortunately, in our country, different programs carry different 
levels of pedigree, right? So mm-hmm. if you go to Harvard and get a business degree, it's a lot different than going to, and no offense, but like Butler, right? So if you go to Harvard and you're a full-time student, there's a whole big re-recruitment process for those students who go to some of the top 20 or 25 ranked MBA programs. If you go to a local program that's good, like Butler or Anderson, they offer an MBA program, maybe then that might not get you a better job at this point, but it could be something that um, where you're leveraging the classroom theory that you're learning to help accelerate your current job and your current situation. So you got to be really, really careful on when and how and actually where you get that graduate degree. Because in theory, all degrees are not equal. And to to ultimately answer your question, to get to that um, CEO position, the other thing I would look at is I would look at leaders in the organization and I would look at their academic um, backgrounds and their education. And then you could determine if that's a common thing among the leaders in your company. And like I said, I worked in a company where that was not common, experience way far heavily over education, but then in other um, institutions where education is more valued, education is is important. It's not the um, end-all, be-all, but it's very important. So how important would you say it is for any representative to understand the goals of the company that they're applying for? Yeah, so it's really critical. We we do something called mentoring circles um, here, and we do a whole session session on knowing the business and understanding the business. And so uh, being knowing the goals of the company, knowing the business, knowing how the company makes money, knowing who the key um, key stakeholders are, how they profit, I think it's critical, critically important um, as you as you pursue it. Knowing the business, no matter if you're in HR or if you're in a profit and loss job like sales or marketing, um, knowing a business is, is, is critical from um, any chair you sit in within the organization. You know, Darius, I really agree with Maurice on the point of knowing the company culture and knowing the business from a high level point of view. But I think it goes a little bit further as well as knowing the team culture that you are interviewing for. So let's say that you're applying for a role that has a team of 10 people and you'd be the 11th addition to the team. If all those 10 people are analytical people, I have seen the hiring manager specifically look for someone who is creative or someone that can bring something different to the team. Because if you are able to pull on the different strengths of each person, so diversity, right? You're able to be that much greater at your job and that much closer to reaching your goals. Exactly. You should be prepared to ask questions like, what's your favorite part about working for this company? It's vital for you to understand the values, the principles to ensure that they match with your values and principle. And then asking for that specific role, what does success look like for this position? and how do you measure it. There was a lot of great content that Maurice was dropping on us, but I think it's important for us to understand how to sell yourself when you're inside of those interviews. Jump starters, you have to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Let's see what Maurice had to say. So going more off the interview piece, how do you sell yourself or prove yourself within an interview if you're kind of past that collegiate level and you're still trying to move to the next company? I think foundationally is uh, there's probably a, a recipe here. Um, one would be confidence. What an employer can quickly see in an interview is someone who is confident and feels like they can do the job. Um, I think that's really important. But but the foundation is actually preparation, right? So a lot of companies use the behavior-based interviewing um, technique. How do you prepare for that is actually 
knowing yourself. How do you know yourself? Is that you take the commonly asked behavior-based interview questions and you write down, I always tell people to write down the answers. Make sure that you have a very good way of communicating that. Take the paper and throw it away and then try to articulate that to your mother or your cousin or your boyfriend or your girlfriend and, and an interview and, and just reenact and practice and practice and practice. Because you would practice for anything else, why wouldn't you practice for an interview? It's like if you were giving a presentation or a speech, wouldn't you practice? Well, you should do the same for an interview because it's ultimately going to lead to something even greater than just a presentation. It's going to lead to employment and possibly a career. That's great. So let's just hypothetically say that a person is at the beginning of their career. They recently graduated from college and the role that they're applying for tells them that they need experience. So overall, how do you get experience yeah. when you don't have any experience? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a really, really good question and often asked. Sometimes you have to start at a very entry level um, and seek out very entry level jobs um, to get what I would call get your foot in the door. Because if you take a set of experienced candidates and a set of inexperienced candidates and do an interview, I would say nine times out of 10, um, the experienced candidates are going to win out because they're going to give you probably more applicable answers to the role that you're recruiting for. So for that person that doesn't have experience, oftentimes you have to start, I would say, at the ground floor. I think nowadays people have expectations to start at a certain level and make a certain amount of money. I think you can start at the ground floor, work there a year and a half or two years. I don't think that's too short. And then leverage that into a better role, a role that um, that's in line with your career goal. So sometimes you just have to start off at the bottom level and work your way up. Um, oftentimes, even college graduates will um, sometimes be forced to take um, what I call um, hourly jobs. I would be very careful there. I would take hourly jobs if we, if I knew that two things: one, that it was a way to that the organization had a way to promote me into a more salary professional role within that company, or I was getting some type of experience that I could leverage in an interview process to get a more professional job. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if you graduate from college like I did, GPA was okay, I had limited work experience, I had a liberal arts degree, you know, you have to start off with a fairly entry level job and prove yourself once you're on the job. So I know you've seen a lot of interviews in your 30 years. What are some quick do's and don'ts for interviews? You already talked about preparing, but some, I guess some big don'ts. Yeah. Wow. I would say um, don'ts. I, I would say what you should do is, is maintain professionalism throughout the interview, which, um, which actually some people forget to do. And the other thing is that don't get too comfortable with the interviewer. Um, when I first interviewed people, I interviewed a lot of campus people coming off campus, and I had a way of just making people really feel comfortable. I did that because I wanted them to be their real self and so that they wouldn't be nervous in the interview. But it was funny because oftentimes people would get too casual with me and not be as professional mm -hmm. and use words and terms and things that um, are not probably used in the workplace, and then they would be excluded from the process. So I would say be comfortable, get comfortable, but maintain professionalism. The other thing I would do is that I would not jump to asking questions specifically about salary. 
right? Mm. I would wait and have a successful interview. And at, at some point, um, the human resources person or the hiring official or the hiring manager will engage with you about compensation. But I think discussing salary in an interview is, is kind of putting car- the cart before the horse. I think you should wait, get the job offer, and then you, it puts yourself in a situation to negotiate. Um, the other thing I would do is that I would actually slow down, take your time to answer the question. Sometimes people rush to answer the question and totally miss the whole point of the question when they answer. So those are some basic tips in terms of answering the question and uh, um, doing well in the interview. Um, but preparation is the key and certainly maintaining professionalism would be um, probably the most important advice I could give a person. You actually did that to me in my interview. You were like, okay, so the question was this, Kirsten. Um, yeah. You were trying to show me all these pictures, yeah. but the question was this. Yeah. What's the answer? I was yeah. like, all right, this is the answer, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So That's as hilarious. So I have a quick question. Okay. So typically when you're interviewing, are you looking for more accomplishment or potential in that person growing to fit that role? Yeah, I, I actually think it's a, a, a mix of both, right? Because you have to have something to talk about, right? I agree. And, and in this world of uh, behavior-based interviewing, when you're giving people examples of what you did, maybe the accomplishment wasn't that successful, but you learned something along the way. So I think uh, something that is really important that it actually connects to both answers is this thing that people like to see in interviews is this transparency, this ability to admit, admit failure, um, but yet from that failure that there were lessons learned. I think people are really... Um, they kind of catch people who kind of paint this perfect picture of themselves because no one, no one's perfect. Even the interviewer is not perfect. And so if, if you can come in and be transparent and, and somewhat vulnerable and share failures and share that you, maybe your goal was to go to med school, but maybe your MCAP scores were, were not that high. Okay. So maybe there was some learning from that. Maybe you, you learned that it takes better preparation or you learned something, but now you know you have to work and you're dedicated to that. But you can always take something that's considered a failure or mishap or barrier and turn around and use it as a critical learning tool to help you really build a better relationship with that employer. Come on. Did you hear all those jewels Maurice was dropping on us? I heard them about 30 years worth of gems. I'm like, what about that last part? Our failures make us who we are. You know what, jump starters? We need to fail fast. And fail forward. And that's one of my favorite things that Marie said is that no one is perfect, not even the interviewer. So if you come in being transparent and share those failures, you could turn it into a critical learning tool. And what he said about graduate school, like he said, graduate school is great. But if it's not connected with a path towards a career, then it could be a waste of time and waste of expenses towards our education. I'm not into wasting money. So you got your answer, Darius? Yup. And then this is something that we said, but stay ready so you don't have to get ready. At the beginning of the episode, I share with you all that 
I received a promotion and got a new role. And that all happened very quickly. It happened in a matter of a week. And so if I would have needed to take time to prepare or update my resume and get coaching, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So it's so important to have that resume updated. So for me, I update my resume probably about once every two months or so with meaningful projects or things that I've learned in that role that I know that I can take into a new role and making sure that I'm saving my work. So I've always looked at interviews as a show and tell. Like you can say how you would react or what you've done, but if you can show, hey, here's this project that I've done or here's a picture of an event that I've done, that's gonna be so much more meaningful to an interviewer than just hearing you talk for the entire thing. And then practice your interview jump starters. And we're gonna have lots of supplementary materials to kind of help you stay ready. But if you struggle with interviews and me and Darius, we're motor mouth, so we don't really have that problem, but Speak for I yourself. Have, Speak I, for yourself. I have a lot of friends who reach out to me about, you know, Kirsten, I get so nervous in an interview room and I blank. I know that I can do this job, but I just can't say it. If that's you, practice in the mirror or have one of your friends or your boyfriend or your mom ask you some of those tell me about a time questions and allow your portfolio or portfolio, excuse me, or things that you're doing in your current role to answer those questions. So those are some of the tips and tricks that I use when I'm navigating and as a recruiter, some things that I've seen that have been successful. Um, And we hope that it's been helpful for you all today too. Oh, for sure. And something that I personally want to leave you all with since, you know, Kirsten over here is telling you all to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. What, what? But don't be afraid to get confident within your interview. Remember, you are interviewing that company just like they're interviewing you for that role. You need to learn as much as you can about that organization and a specific role. What are their processes in reaching goals? What type of challenges do they encounter and how are they solved? You need to ensure that you are a valuable asset. If they miss out on hiring you, that's on them. I'll leave you with this one quote. We are all rough drafts of who we are becoming. Take care, Jump Sires. See ya. You've been listening to the First Cup Podcast. Hey, Jump Starters, head to our website, thefirstcuppodcast.com for all the downloadable content from today's show. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at the First Cup Podcast. And of course, hit that subscribe button and let us know how you like today's show. Thank you for listening.